All right, you might be wondering what does a love song written by Justin Bieber have to do with scripture, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but before we do, I don't want to let an opportunity pass where I don't thank some people who have been involved with the worship as well as look forward as we continue to move into the fall. Um, some of you might not know this. There were two people up here earlier, and one of those people, his name was Brock. Brock met Joe Towner working at Notre Dame as an intern getting the stadium sound equipment and stuff like that set up. And as they build a relationship, he was like, yeah, I play and I'd love to come hang out with you guys. And so next week is Brock's last week with us, but he has been a huge help. In the summer, a lot of people disappear because they like to spend time at the lake, they like to build family relationships, they're going on vacation, and so we have some holes to fill. And he stepped in and filled one of those holes. So we're incredibly grateful for Brock's time that he spent with us. But other than Brock, there were a few other people that were up here. There's Jenna and Robertson was on the keys. Both of those are high school students who have a passion for worship. They wanted to give back, take time out of their summer to practice, prepare, and play for you guys today. So if you would, could you give a round of applause for all three of those? All right. Also up here are two people that this summer... We've got, I've got to spend a lot of time with as we've been looking forward to the youth program. And so behind the cage, he was playing last week at the outdoor service. He's been playing the drums for us, is Austin Bensis. Austin is our middle school youth pastor here at Waypoint. Not only does he have long, flowing, beautiful blonde hair, but he also has an incredible ability to connect with families and teens. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Austin has told me, plenty of times that when he was in middle school, there were people that poured into his life and helped him work through different issues and continue to foster a relationship with Christ. Austin wants to turn around and do the same thing in the community that he grew up in, and he just wants to know your students. If you are in sixth through eighth grade and you haven't met Austin yet, you will want to get to know this guy. He genuinely loves people and enjoys spending time with them. As well as Austin, this year, Chandler's going to be hanging out with the youth program. He did all last year. He did a lot of worship uh, on his own. He's also one of the worship directors here, so you'll see him on Sundays a lot as well. But Ch Chandler has a heart for worship. And the reason I didn't say he has a heart for music is because he knows that worship is way more than music. It's an attitude of your heart, how you lift up your gifts and give them to God. And that's what Chandler wants to foster in your students' lives is an attitude of, you know what, God gave me this passion, he gave me this gift, I'm going to turn around and praise him. And so Chandler is going to be working with your students to develop skills. If they're interested in tech, if they're interested in music, if they're interested in singing, they want to talk with him so he can get them plugged in somewhere and they can start serving at a young age and start creating this attitude of a servant's heart as they continue to grow in their faith. If you don't know Chandler, he is another person that you want to meet. And the last person that I was going to introduce is not with us this morning. His name is Mike Griggs. Mike was actually going to sing that song. I think he kind of wishes he was Justin Bieber a little bit. Um, but Mike has allergies. And because of that, his voice has been coming and going, and he's been very stuffed up. And so he hasn't been able to, to sing. And so if you spent any time with Mike Griggs, what you would realize is that Mike is somebody who cares about people. It doesn't matter if you're in senior high, 
It doesn't matter if you're an adult that doesn't have kids or has a whole bunch of kids. Mike wants to spend time with you. He wants to get to know you. He wants to do life alongside you. Whether things are going great or things are going bad, he wants to be there to partner up with you and to do life. If you spend any time with him, you'll quickly realize that when you're with him, you are the only person that matters. And the reason is because Mike genuinely cares about people. And when he's with you, he gives you all of him. Mike is our senior high pastor, but he does a lot more than that at Waypoint. And so if you haven't met Mike, make sure you meet him. He's an incredible guy. The reason that I wanted to take time this morning to talk about the youth program is because in two weeks, we're going to get this thing started. August 16th, we start our programming called The Point. We meet on Wednesday nights. If you're in sixth through eighth grade, you want to come at 530, the doors open. We start hanging out by playing in the gym playing video games, just building relationships with each other. And then around 6 o'clock or so, Austin's going to kick off the programming, and you're going to start talking and discussing and breaking into small groups and doing youth group together. And then right after that, when the middle school leaves, any high school student is able to come, and they stay from 7.30 to 8.30. And during that time, Mike is just pouring into your students' lives. He's sharing experiences that he has. He's talking about how God has talked to him throughout that week. He is just being there for your students. And if you are a student through 6th grade and, or 12th, through 12th grade, and you don't come out to the point this year, I'm just going to tell you as plainly as I can, you will miss out. God has enabled Waypoint to have some really cool resources and gifts, and we're throwing a lot of it to the youth program. We are coming out of the gate swinging. We understand how important the youth program is. We've been meeting all summer long, planning events, trying to figure out how we connect, can connect with kids in different ways, how we can talk to students in this world that's starting to change in a culture that's different, in a world that we've never really seen before. And we're putting a lot of time and effort towards the teen ministry here at Waypoint. And if you're a student, come out. Bring a friend if you're uncomfortable, if you're nervous, you've never come before, and let's have a lot of fun connecting and building relationships towards Christ. Now, I could go on and on about the youth program here at Waypoint because I think it is that special, and it is that cool and great, and I have a passion for it, but that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. So I'd like to transition into what we're going to be talking about, and if you were listening to that song, it was a love song, and it was written by Justin Bieber. But I think there was some truth to it when it comes to scripture. See, what he was saying was, what do you mean? What do you want from me? You say you want to go right, but then we go left. You say yes, but then I feel like we shouldn't do that. We fight all day. What, what do you mean? What do you want from me? And sometimes when I'm diving into the word, I feel that way with God. God, what are you showing me? What do you mean by this story? What is it supposed to do in my life? How is it supposed to move me? This doesn't make any sense. Am I supposed to go this way or that way? I don't really want to do this. Why are you calling me to do that? What are you trying to show me? And what do you mean from this gigantic text that's thousands of years old? How in the world can it apply to my life today? And like I said earlier, unfortunately, I think the answer to that question has created some misconceptions in people's lives. And whether it was because something somebody told them or something they read in scripture, they just didn't quite get what God was trying to tell them or trying to show them. And so they've built some foundational things inside of who they are that has kind of dictated their walk with Christ. And maybe it took them in a different direction than God ever intended. 
this whole idea came up about two weeks ago when, maybe a little bit longer, when we were in the Dominican Republic. I was talking to a group of people, and a guy came down from the town, and he said, hey, could you guys send somebody up to pray for my son? And so Enoch Karlstrom, me, the pastor of the church and the translator, went up to this gentleman's house. We were outside on his porch, sitting around in chairs, and we were just talking. We were trying to figure out, what, what does this guy need prayers for? What's going on in his life? What's happening? And as we continued to talk, we realized that his son had some sort of um, mental disability. And so his son had some problems, and he wanted prayers for his son. And as we continued to talk, what we realized was his son had autism. And as I talked to this gentleman, this guy was just saying, please, just pray that this can go away. I don't want to deal with this challenge. I don't know how to deal with this challenge. He can't go to school like this. Just pray that God takes this away. Well, autism is not as known there as it is in the United States. And so he didn't really understand what it meant to have an autistic son. And that that meant his son was different. And difference not right or wrong. It's just different. And yes, there's going to be incredible difficulties and challenges along the way, but if he could view this as a gift from God, his son's going to see the world in ways that I'll never be able to see the world. He's going to understand things that I won't be able to understand, and that if he could invite God into the trouble and into the mess, God could show him something about himself and about his family, and they could grow in their walk with Christ. And so as I was trying to paint this picture for him, and as we were continuing the talk, I realized that something else was off. Somebody at some point had told this guy some, some misinformation, and it created a miscommunication between him and God. Somebody had said, hey, God can take this away from you if you pray hard enough, if you believe enough, God will take this away, and then you can have a right relationship with him. And so this gentleman was saying, listen, if you just pray and God takes this away, then I'll start going to church. I'll start buying into what God has for me. I'll start following him. But right now, there's too much junk in my life for me to even consider following him. Forget about my autistic son. What about my financial problems? What about my other medical issues? If God can take these away, then I will start following him. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is not the picture of Christ that you should have in your mind. Our God is a loving God, one who's full of grace. Bad things are going to happen in life, but he wants to meet us in the mess. He wants to come alongside us and teach us things about ourselves. You have to invite him in, and it's all part of your journey. And I started to think, I wonder if miscommunications happen in our lives and in our daily walk. And so what I want to do is I want to do a quick table quiz where you guys work as a table to try and see if you can identify what I think could be eight miscommunications that are popular in the Bible. What I found were eight verses that have been attributed to the Bible, but some of them, you can't find them in the Bible. They're just really good nuggets of truth that people have said, Jesus said this, or so-and-so said this. And so it's been attributed to the Bible, but it's not in there. And so the way we do table talks around here is you introduce yourself to the people around you, then there's a piece of paper in front of you. It should just be a blank piece of paper. You're going to number it one through eight. Just one person needs to do this. If you're sitting at the chairs over there, feel free to just make a note on your phone, or you could grab a piece of paper, or you could join a table if you wanted to do something crazy like that. And we're going to go ahead and just see if it was in the Bible, or you believe it's in the Bible, you are going to put true next to it. If you don't think 
that was ever something that was in the Bible, then you put false. And we'll see how close you can get to uh, all eight of these. Let's go ahead and introduce yourselves, and we'll get started in a second. All right, if you're still moving, that's fine, but we're going to go ahead and get started. The first one, it'll appear on the screen, is God helps those that help themselves. God helps those that help themselves. Sounds like it could be in there. Is it? All right, number two. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Number three, cleanliness is next to godliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Number four, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Number five, first pride, then the fall. First pride, then the fall. Number six, everything is possible for those who believe. Everything is possible for those who believe. Number seven, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Is it in there? And then finally, number eight, this too shall pass. Very small section, this too shall pass. Go ahead and finish those up, and then we're going to score it, see how your table did. This is not to judge your biblical literacy. It's just to show how easy it is to miscommunicate Scripture. All right, so number one was God helps those that help themselves. That was false. That has never been written in the Bible. It's actually from Aesop's fable, Hercules and the Wagoneer. It's where it first appeared. It sounds really good. And so people were like, hey, this is a good proverb or virtue to live by. Let's say that it's in the Bible and see what happens. Number two, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That is in the Bible. It's in Proverbs. Proverbs is a great section of scripture. If you're looking for encouragement, I'd encourage you to go there and just read it. It gives some really good wisdoms for you in life. Number three, cleanliness is next to godliness. Though this sounds like it should be in the Bible, it is not in the Bible. It is false. It is actually an ancient Babylonian proverb that was made famous in the Victorian era. It sounds like, you know what, if you're clean, you're probably closer to God, but that's not true. It's probably just a good thing to think to live by. Just be clean. 
Number four, hate the sin, love the sinner. That is false. This was said by Augustine in 424 AD and then restated by Gandhi in 1929. That is not in the Bible. Number five, first pride, then the fall. That is true. Again, it's another proverb that you should probably look at living your life by. Number six, everything is possible for those who believe. That is true. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 23. Number seven, money is the root of all evil. That is actually false. It's misinterpreted, a misinterpretation of 1 Timothy. And if you don't believe me, look at Job's life. He had an incredible amount of wealth, and he was one of the gracious people to live went through a whole bunch of trials and struggles, and he still was able to end up on the other side. And then lastly, number eight, this too shall pass is not in the Bible. It's false. It was from a famous German poem. And so, I don't know how many of you got right. I don't know how many you missed. Was there a group that got all eight right? All right. I was guessing there probably wouldn't be, but I didn't know if a couple of you might just be Bible scholars. The reason I wanted to do that was just to show you how easy it is to miscommunicate Scripture. And you can say something that sounds really good and say, you know what, that's from Jesus. That's from the Bible. You should live your life this way. And when it's light and fun in a church activity like this, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about and joke about. But when it changes who you are and how you view Christ as a person, then there are some real problems. And what I have done over this past year is have conversations with people who have taken five sections of Scripture out of context, and because of it, it has really caused harm in their life and with their walk with Christ. So I want to share some of these that might be a little more personal. Maybe you know someone who's dealt with one of these. Maybe you yourself are trying to work through them. You heard it from somebody. It seemed really good, and it made sense. But God never intended for it to be used that way. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is ask and you will receive. There's a section of scripture. It says ask and you will receive. And what this has done for people's relationship with Christ has made God a genie in a bottle. God, I need a new car. Will you please give me the nicest, newest Mercedes? God, we need a new house. Will you give me one that's like the Joneses down the road? God, just give me that perfect job where I can bring in six figures and provide for my family. And you're constantly asking God for things instead of having a relationship with Christ, which is what he deeply desires from you. And I've had conversations with people who are viewing God as kind of this genie in a bottle instead of this father figure who deeply desires to have a relationship with you. Number two, Faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. This, this is probably one of the harder ones to talk about because it's really messed people up. Recently, within the past few months, there's a gentleman that I knew who wanted healing for a loved one. And so he was praying for her. And as he prayed for her, a group of people came into that room and said, listen, we believe that if you have just faith of a mustard seed, we can heal this person. And we're gonna have you pray. And if you believe hard enough, then she will be healed. And if you don't, well, then what does that say about your faith? And so they prayed, and she wasn't healed. It was a terminal illness. She ended up losing her life. And that husband has carried guilt and pressure 
and shame with him because he felt like, what is wrong with me? Do I not have a relationship that honors God? Do I not believe enough to heal my own wife? Was her death my fault? And the truth is, that's a bunch of garbage. Maybe God had a different plan. Maybe God wanted something to come out of the situation. And it makes no sense because we don't want to see our loved ones get hurt. But for whatever reason, it was not in God's plan for her to be healed. Nobody wanted her healed more than that gentleman did. And so for somebody to come in and question his faith in those moments, that's incredibly wrong because God has a plan for all of us and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Number three, a generous person will prosper. This one has been used and abused by churches and other religious non-for-profit organizations to try and pull money out of people. Um, there's no other way to say it than one of my best buddies, he doesn't live around here, he and his wife were having some marriage difficulties and it revolved around this issue. His church was preaching that you should give and you should keep giving and keep giving and if you do that, God will honor you in return. God will give back to you. And so she wanted to give a certain amount, and he wanted to give another amount, and it created a whole bunch of bitterness and resentment. And last October, he came and stayed with us for a couple of days, and we had conversations about this. And I said to him, listen, God would rather you not give a penny to the church or to any organization and get your relationship right with your wife. Live a relationship that honors God. The money, all that stuff can, can be dealt with later, but unfortunately, organizations have comfort when they know that money is coming in. And so it's very easy to get into this trap where you preach to people that if you give money, you'll prosper. And so people have given to points where it wasn't healthy. It impacted relationships they had. They weren't able to pay bills that they really should have paid. They weren't able to take care of the necessities of their family because they were giving too much to organizations that were misusing this section of scripture. And so I don't know if you know of anybody who fell into that lie, but it's one where the Bible's been miscommunicated. Number four, give and you will receive. I think this could be one of the biggest ones that's uh, plaguing our culture today. There are a lot of people in their Christian walk that their walk with Christ is in agreement. God, I will pray. I will come to church. I will give to church. I will check all of the boxes off but you better give me some blessings back. You better take care of my family. You better keep the finances coming in and making sure that we're living comfortably. Please keep us healthy. Keep my kids involved and the best at whatever activities they're doing. And as soon as that stops happening, I'm out. I'm done with you, God. And what is created is instead of having a relationship, you have a contract with our Father who never intended that to be our, the way that we have a relationship with him. And then number five, the last one, is I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In this section of scripture, the disciples were asking Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brother? And he said, not just seven times, 77 times. Sometimes it's written not just seven times, but seven times 70. Whatever translation you're looking at, it basically means you keep forgiving them. It doesn't matter how many times, you keep forgiving them. And so people have taken this section of scripture and said, well, if that's how God wants us to forgive others, that must be how God forgives us. And so you know what? God's going to forgive me. Even, even if I mess with this vice that's been plaguing me for a while, God will forgive me again. I, I know I shouldn't watch this, 
but God's going to forgive me. I know I shouldn't slack off at work and kind of put this project on the back burner and just kind of check out, but, but God will forgive me. He'll understand. I know I shouldn't treat my family this way, but, but God's going to forgive me. And over and over again, we keep running back to the same issues, just knowing that, you know what? God's full of forgiveness. He's full of grace. He'll continue to forgive me. So it's all good. And the problem is, these are just five small sections of Scripture that over the past year have plagued people's lives because they've been miscommunicated to them. God never intended for the people to interpret or understand this, these sections that way. And because of it, it's created some real hurts and problems in their life. Now again, when the miscommunication happens, I don't think people are doing it out of ill will. I don't think when pastors are speaking or people are reading and the Holy Spirit showing things to you that you're misinterpret misinterpreting it because you're trying to do it intentionally. These things just kind of happen. And unfortunately, they have really caused some hurt in people's lives. So today, what I want to do is talk about how was the Bible intended for us. And if we want to have a shot at overcoming some of these misconceptions, misunderstandings, what should we try and do? And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'd ask that you turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 4. To set up the background of this section of Scripture, Jesus was just baptized in verse 3, and he was led away into the wilderness by the Spirit. And as he was led away into the wilderness, he was fasting and praying to God for 40 days. Now, I don't know what he was praying about. I would imagine he was probably thinking about what was to come and the mission that he was set on. But he was spent alone, spending some time with God in the wilderness. And towards the end of those 40 days, Satan comes along. And as Satan does best, when we're weak, he comes in and tries to strike. And he says to God, or he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you've been out here for 40 days and 40 nights. You have to be hungry. Why don't you just turn these rocks there into bread? What's the harm? What's it, what's it matter? You're hungry. Feed yourself. And Jesus had two options. He could have turned those rocks into bread and, and disobeyed God, or he could stand firm. In Luke 4, we see how he responds. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And Jesus doesn't fall into the trap that Satan's trying to get him. He's saying, you know what? I could turn this into bread, but that's not what I need. I don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, listen, right now I know you're tempting me, and I could buy into your temptation, but that's not what I need. What I need is every word from God. That's why I'm away. That's why I'm spending these 40 days in the wilderness. And this has been a beautiful picture of how Jesus overcame temptation. And if you're struggling with temptation, how you can overcome it because our Heavenly Father came to earth and overcame temptation. But there's also another picture being written here. As you see, it says, it is written. So that means this was said earlier in, in Scripture. It was recorded at another time. And so when Jesus says this, he instantly is painting another picture for us to look at. It's a picture from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Moses is preparing the Israelites for the promised land, which they're going to go into. 
They spent some time in the wilderness. In fact, it was a lot like what Jesus did. And so if we look at a comparison here, the Israelites entered the wilderness. Jesus entered the wilderness. The Israelites spent 40 years. Jesus spent 40 days. They both were tested and hungry, and we have a similar response. And the response in Luke 8, verse 3, I'm going to read it here in a second, but it's Moses telling the people, listen, you've been wandering around, you've been confused, you've been looking for what you need and what you want. But don't forget that God has provided for us all along this way. And if we start to try and take over this, this need that we have, and if we try and create our own help and don't lean on the help from the Lord, we could miss the mark. And so in 8.3, he says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's that section again. You don't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, when they're talking about this, every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, they mean different ways that God communicates with us. So sometimes it's through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's through people that you have relationships with. And other times that's through Scripture. And so today we're talking about through Scripture. But I can tell you there have been plenty of times that I've came and sat in the seats that you're in right now dealing with something for weeks or months. And Blair, what he shares, just speaks truth right into my life. And it doesn't matter what materialistic things I had in the world. It doesn't matter if I had bread, per se. What I needed was what Blair shared that in that moment. Or there have been other times where I've been struggling with anger, frustration, just kind of been mad or discouraged, and a buddy will send me a text out of the blue, and it will be a section of Scripture that I know it's just not a coincidence. God is trying to speak to me. And another way that he tries to speak to you and I is through the word. And it, no matter what you need in life to live, the bare minimum is scripture. That is what you need to take you through your spiritual walk. If you want to live a life that honors God, understanding God's commandments and what he has for us, the scripture will answer those questions for you. And so when you see something funky on social media and you're like, is that really in the Bible? Did God really say that? You know where the source is and you can dive in. And instead of building a foundational misconception, you can understand what was God trying to teach me? What was he trying to show me in these moments? Or if somebody, maybe there's a person in your life who's not a believer and they're trying to disprove the Bible and disprove God all the time. And so they're coming up with all sorts of different quotes and information. You can stand firm because you know the truth. And if what they're saying sounds really good and it's like, you know what, that could be in the Bible. You know where you can go to look and to check. And you know that at the bare minimum, what you need to survive is the words that come out of the Lord's mouth. Now, I don't know what your relationship with Scripture is. Maybe it's something that you're diving into every day. Maybe it's something that you really aren't taking advantage of. But what I do know is that there are some times where I get to the end of the day and I'm laying down and I think, oh my goodness, I haven't read today, I haven't prayed today, I haven't connected with the Lord. What am I doing? I work at a church, I'm a pastor, I'm called to live a different way and I've missed the mark. 
And so I'm guessing that there are times, maybe seasons of your life, where you just check out and you kind of are just checking the boxes. You're coming to church, you're hanging out with good people, you're being kind to others around you, but you're not really diving in and fully involved the way that God wants you to, in a way that can change your life. And if you were being honest, maybe some of you here today would say, I've never really read the Bible. It's an old book and it doesn't make sense to me. I don't even know where to start. There's a whole bunch of different translations. There's a whole bunch of different books. How do I know where to even begin? And so this morning, I want to give you a little bit of help with that. If something that you desire is diving into the Word a little bit more, there is an incredible app out there that you can download on your phone. It's called Uversion. I'd encourage you to pull your phones out and download it now if you don't have this. It's compatible with Apple, Android, Google, Blackberry. You can download it to your computer directly. It has devotional reading plans. It has verses of the day. What I have is mine set up to, at 6.30 every morning, send me a verse. It's a different verse, but there have been plenty of times where when I've read that, that's exactly what I needed in those moments. God was taking care of my need by starting my day with that. And so if you're not diving into the Word, what I would encourage you to do is just start with an app like this where it gives you one verse to reflect on. Now, I understand this verse may be out of context. It might not make a whole lot of sense because there's not a story behind it, but I believe that God meets you exactly where you are. It doesn't take a special person or a special amount of schooling to be able to understand Scripture. God has it written in a way that each and every one of us can understand it. And no matter where you're at on your walk, he will meet you exactly where you're at with exactly what you need. And if it's a verse of encouragement, I'm guessing that day it'll be a verse of encouragement. If it's something challenging because you're dealing with a trial or temptation, it'll be something challenging for you. But I would encourage you to start there. Now, if you're already kind of at that point and you're dabbling around with Scripture and you want to go a little bit deeper, this is a great opportunity. There are devotional reading plans inside of this program where if you're dealing with something, you can choose it by topic or by book of the Bible. So for me, anxiety is something that I just kind of deal with through life. And so there was something called Beating the Giants. It was all about how David slayed Goliath and how you can overcome anxiety. And so I worked through that plan for a while. And now I'm working through a 1 Corinthians plan where it's taking me through that book of the Bible. If you want something that's more like a Bible study right in your hand, it takes five to 10 minutes. You can do it in bed. You can do it during your lunch break. You can do it before you go to sleep, before you wake up. It's really easy and it's right there. I would encourage you to check out the plans and start using those. See, what I know is that there are a whole bunch of people in this world sharing different things about God and his character. Some are trying to promote him. Some are trying to take away from him. And the only way that you're going to understand truth is if you have a relationship with him where you and him are working together, working through things. You're inviting him into the mess. You're allowing him to talk to your life through scripture. And so if you're not taking advantage of this gift that he's given us, the Bible, I would encourage you to start with a verse of the day. Now next week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper and look at the Bible in more of a studying sense. How does Blair kind of prepare? Where, what resources does he use? And we're going to go a little bit deeper. But for this week, my challenge for you would be that you read one verse every day. 
And if you want to get that verse text to you automatically, this app will do it for you. If you're anything like me, I would never remember to, to go to this app. But since it sends it to me, it's right there for me to use. Because what I believe is that God wants to come into your mess and communicate with you. And if as a community, we could start using some of these gifts the way that he intended them, the way that he intended the church to be lived out, the way that he intended scripture to be understood and used, we have an opportunity of living our lives differently and impacting a lot of people. It will change the way that we live, the things that we value. It'll change the person that you are when you start diving into the word and understanding God's character and what he created you for. It'll reveal passions that you didn't even realize you had until you start reading stories and understanding, wow, I think he's talking to me because he is. And that's an incredible way that he's trying to communicate to you. If you would, I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And they're going to close this out with a song. Dear Lord, when we talk about scripture, it's, it's a hard one. It's a really old book. And it's full of a lot of big words that don't always make sense. And truthfully, at times, it's made me uncomfortable. I, I haven't felt valued or worthy enough or that I have enough schooling or education to understand what you've written. But the truth is you want to meet us where we're at. And one of the ways that you meet us where we are is through the word. And so you have so much advice and guidance in there. You've set up boundaries all out of love for us. And so my prayer is that today the people that are here at Waypoint and that me and anyone else decides, you know what, today's the day. I'm going to set a goal for myself and I'm going to start diving in. I'm going to read one verse a day for the next week and see how God talks to me. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, including giving us this book. In your name I pray, amen.